Wonderful. So um, go ahead and introduce yourself and your project and what uh, anything today that you're really hoping to talk about. Sure. So, um, I, so my name's Tony Bushell. Um, I, I, I'm, I have a kind of company, made up company called Zero Sum Games, right, with an X, uh, X-E-R-O. So um, for the last couple of years, I've been working on a tabletop role-playing game. I started doing this in 2019. Um, and I, I'd been out, I, I played role-playing games when I was growing up in the 80s. And I just dropped out of the hobby for like 30 years because I couldn't find anyone that ever wanted to play, right? So I didn't play from really the late 80s up until kind of 2017 again, right? And so there was like a 30-year gap. Now, in that time frame, I kept on reading ridiculous but i kept on buying role-playing games and reading them because i just love the systems right and i always loved the lore and the background and so on and so on so in about 2019 i decided that i wanted uh, just as a hobby right i was playing edge of the empire with a couple of friends and we were having a great time and i was writing a bunch of homebrew stuff for that right just like you know again star wars edge of the empire it's very easy to write your own homebrew additions to star wars and i realized how much satisfaction i was getting from it. i work in it um and my job is not very creative i'm a I, I, I'm a, a, an executive that runs a managed services group for a technology company, right? So I have a great job and I love it, but it's really not very fulfilling. And doing this, like building this game, moving from just doing homebrew for a system I was enjoying to building out the game I'd always wanted to play, that became very fulfilling. Um, as I started running play tests um, for other people, the stories that were being told in this game made me want to put them into a comic book, which is something else I've been reading comics. I learned to read through comics, right? I've been reading comics since I was like, you know, four or five years old. So um, I, I have this kind of this property or this universe, right? Distemperverse, as I jokingly call it, which is a combination of a role-playing game and a comic book where the comic book is the backdrop for the for the setting, right? That's where, you know, the lore is explained in the background and that's where kind of, you know, campaign settings originate. And then there's the tabletop role-playing game. So these things are kind of interconnected. Um, and I'm, I'm just, what I'm trying to get out of talking to you is I have no idea about marketing. Like I've told you in, in you know, Discord and private messages, this 101 thing, right? I'm, I feel like I create relatively good products. Like I have a very, uh, not well, was the wrong way of putting it. I have, I have a, a playtest group of about 15 people that all really, really like the game, right? And they've run campaigns for each other that I haven't even been a part of. And there's a guy that's run at least three sessions for, for other people and there's the recorded for them or for me. So I can go back and look at them afterwards. And a, a guy that I play with is really has really tweaked Roll20 to the point where we have automated character sheets. Crazy the stuff he's done. And last week he showed me this OBS setup that he's created so that we can stream the game out. So I feel I've created a product that other people really like. And I think some of that is the nature of the world. And the comic book, as I've mentioned to you on Discord, um, I, I'm super proud of this part. I didn't even market the comic book, right? One of the artists I was working with put some of the artwork up on his, his portfolio. And Blood Moon Comics reached out to him and said, can you put us in touch with the author? And they asked me for some samples. So I sent them six pages. Next thing I got a contract from them. So I feel that I've created something that people like, and I'm very, very proud of it. But I've got really no idea how to get it out there, right? I post things on Instagram. I post things on Tumblr. I post things on Reddit. I post things on Twitter. And <clears throat> I, beyond that, I'm kind of like, is that it, right? Do I just keep doing these kind of random postings? 
and then get to the point. Originally, I planned on kickstarting all of this, but with the comic book company picking up the comic, I obviously still plan on kickstarting the game, and I'd like to do it on the back of the comic, right? And so I'm just kind of lost, right? I, I, I'm lost as to what to do. Do I just keep putting panels up with cryptic little messages to get people interested? My Instagram's picking up a nice following. Twitter, I think I probably three to five followers a week so i'm at like 530 or something right but i'm I'm kind of like is this it is this is this what i do and then just keep posting on like you know subreddits like rpg design and rpg creation is is it so that's why i reached out to you because i was like you seem to be really good at this right and i and i i get you have a marketing background but i'm just i'm lost right do i just keep tweeting and instagramming and hope that somewhere along the line there's momentum behind this so that, that was the reason for me reaching out to you Awesome. So this is, you have so, such wonderful problems, you know, and, and I talked to you about this in like the direct messaging of like one, take a moment to be proud that these are the problems you're facing. Two is that your problems are so addressable. All right. The main issue is that because this is uh, the golden treadmill as an analogy, it's usually used on lawyers. Okay, of yep. how you can run the same treadmill, but it's got a cap on it. You know, with with lawyers, it's that like you have an hourly rate, and eventually you're going to hit a max hourly rate, and you you can keep on running on that treadmill, but you only have so many hours in the day. For us, the golden treadmill is that you have a full time job, okay, and you have kids. I have kids too. All right. I started building my stuff when I had, I was a full-time college student. I had two jobs that made me work 50 hours a week in total. And I was bringing two kids into the world and I was freshly married. Okay. All right. So all that to say is that you have a limit and you have to be careful that you're allocating your resources properly. All right. And again, you've done a lot of great things. And I think you're coming up to the point why you're feeling this way is because you're coming up to that point of what got you here won't get you there. Yep. You know, and you're trying to figure out how to get there. So my first question is, and, I, and again, we talked about this a little bit on messaging, is what is there for you? What is the goal, whether that's replacing income or having enough to take you to Disneyland someday or is it the notoriety or do you just want to be a part of the community you know and be a person that people recognize in the community you're not looking to be Neil Gaiman you know but you'd like to be at the same expo he's going to you know if you want to right way of putting it that's good too <laughs> you know uh it's really so that's that's my first question is to understand what's what stones you need to set up to step on, I need yep. to know a little bit more about where you're going. So kind of walk me through what is, and again, personally what I do is I like to tear it out, is like, I think big, okay? Yep. Like, I'm the biggest TTRPG marketing guy in the world, okay? But I should probably start with being the TTRPG marketing guy for this group, you know? Yeah. And that's my that's my first goal. So you can think big and then narrow down. So, sure. What what's your so, what's the scope? You know, I, I go back to kind of one of the things that I started with this with right this this idea of homebrew right. I think that one of the things that uh, 
without taking too much of a tangent, what I've always really loved about TTRPGs, and part of the reason I kept on reading them all, all these years, is the creativity that goes with it, right? It's the, mm-hmm. the fact that people build entire worlds, right? And like this homebrew aspect of it has always been super important to me, right? And it's what I've it's really appealed to me about, again, like just when the internet really came into being, even though I hadn't played any of these games for 15 years, I always started following like Usenet. I mean, just like, I mean, I've followed this stuff for years, even though I couldn't find anyone to play with me. And the homebrew aspect of it was just fascinating. So to answer your question, if I was to talk about what my end goal really is, I would really like to populate. Actually, let, let me pull something up and show it to you. Um, I have this larger goal, right? I would like to create a world that is compelling enough that other people want to populate it alongside me, right? So I have this thing that I call the tapestry, um, which it's, it's I've, and again, I'm pulling it up now so I can show it to you, I'll share my screen. Um, but the basically what I've done is I've created a world map and I am populating that world map with, with NPCs and incidents and all these different things. And my ultimate goal would be to create a world that people want to connect to and create their own homebrew that they then help me populate the rest of the world with. So I'd like to create, you know, one of the things that, and again, I'm maybe going off tangent here or on a tangent, but I, I've always, one of the things I felt that TTRPGs lack is, is almost like a persistent world, right? And part of what Traveler is one of my, you know, been, been playing Traveler, Actually, I haven't played Traveler since the 80s, but I've been reading Traveler since the 80s, right? And I have like a perverse collection of Traveler stuff. And it's this idea that it's this one world, right? And they have, you know, they've gone through a variety, like Mega Traveler and a variety of iterations. But basically, it's the same. It's this huge, sprawling universe where they've created an ungodly amount of content for it. But there's so much room to create your own content. So so my my ultimate goal, again, would be to create an, an enduring world that has a persistent aspect to it where people can add to the world that I've created. And I would basically curate that content and make sure that it goes out there. That, that would be, that. that's the top layer, right? That I would create this, frankly, between us girls, like an evolution in the hobby, right? That, that no one's really done this. There's Western marches and there's all these different things, but no one's ever really tried to create a persistent world where the content is all created by other people and then set against the backdrop of a comic book, right? And in theory, the events that happen in the game world created by other people would then influence the ongoing storyline or could potentially influence. So Zach, I just said a lot there, right? But that, if, if you're asking me what is really the end goal, what, what, that's it, right? I mean, it's really this kind of like, hey, this, this thing that, again, it's not that I want to do something that no one's done because I don't really view it that way, but I feel this is an evolution that I can help the hobby get to. Does that make sense to you? That makes complete sense. So I think about this similar to like, and you're... You're picking up on a trend that I you, I give most of the credit to Disney for, okay? And that's the universe trend, okay? Um, yeah. Harry Potter, did yeah. This, Harry Potter probably did this before. Uh, and, and like Lord of the Rings did this before any of them, you know, where it is, it's maps, it's a world, it's characters. And once like the Harry Potter universe can make endless amounts of content, Star Wars, Marvel can make endless amounts of content because they have such a big world. And fans can yep. project anything they want onto the world, you know, um, and onto the heroes and onto the stories. So I think that that's really good to say that, like, because for me, it, you know, I can think those big thoughts of like, okay, so you need to find ways to um, create partnerships. Okay, you're going to need uh, someone with you not having to be on camera running a campaign in this world. Um, yep. 
uh, playing the characters from the comic books or interacting with them as NPCs, you're going to need to be good enough and connected enough to inspire fans to create fan art, you know, um, and, and so on and so forth. And of course, you know, all of this takes time to build and it's really easy to get overwhelmed by this because you need to build like a small media empire, you know, and, and I'll also say this because this is an important thing is that it's very important that going into that, you know, because I, I, my wife is not this way. I tell her like, oh honey, I can't wait until you're, you know, number one time, New York Times bestseller, you know, because I like to dream big. We both know that if she never becomes a New York Times bestseller, that the journey forward toward it is going, we're going to be happy with that, you know? And so another thing I want to voice, because this is something that like a lot of people get overwhelmed, you need to understand, and this isn't just talking to you, this is talking to everybody. We all need to understand that if we don't reach that maximum goal, we need to make sure that we're going to be happy with the journey. You know, and I get that from you. I get it from you that you you love your world and whether or not it was really well known amongst 100 people or 100 million people, you'll probably be happy. Is that accurate? Oh, spot on, Zach. Well, very, very good read, right? I mean, that's it. It's not. I'm not looking to be rich and famous from this, right? I'm very happy, very comfortable. Like I love my career. I spent 30 years building this career, right? I'm very happy with it. Right. But it's this. You know, I said it to my wife last week. I don't feel I'm ever as happy or fulfilled as fulfilled as when I'm writing, right? And whether it's you know I've written novels over the years unpublished, right? Whether it's it's novels or a game world or comic books, it doesn't matter. That creativity is something that's sorely lacking from my very technical job, right? And again, I run a group of people. I'm not on a keyboard anymore, right? But I, um, I, I, I you, you hit it, right? Even if I really love my playtest group because they're so into it, right? And again, there's a part of me that's like, hey, if it never went further than those guys, and let me say one last thing. Like for a lot of us, these people have become true real life friends, right? I mean, there's a bunch of these guys that I now text on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And there's one of them that lives in New Zealand, another English guy, right? And we talk literally every day on Discord, right? And, and you know, some of these people have really become part of the, uh, I hate to use the word tapestry because it's what I was talking about with the game, but the tapestry oh, of my life, right? And that is already so fulfilling. No, the tapestry is great, by the way, okay? I, I think that it may be too early for you to bring that into the conversation as you first set out sure. this journey, you know, and I know I said yeah. set out when you enter this next phase of your journey, but I, I know it's good that you have that in your back pocket. Okay. It's really good that you have something that you're building on, building toward, adding on to, sure. and that uh, you can bring into the conversation and say, hey, you know, for us, in, in my end, it was, uh, we created the world of Aragarth. And rather than building the whole yeah. world, okay, and creating a source book, we build it one, one module at a time. Each module has a new location, new characters, new elements, and we're building what, is, what will essentially be a source book, okay, yeah. one step at a time. And as long as you have a even foggy idea of that end result, that source book for us, that tapestry for you, you can create the strategy toward it. So now's the, now's the part where I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Now we know where the high level is, okay? And we can start setting up um, for you to utilize what you have, your strengths, your weaknesses, and leverage them toward that goal. So 
the first thing is that I think you got a lot of great things to work with. The whole comic book plus TTRPG thing is awesome. And the fact that you were good enough that through natural, you know, like passive networking, you were able to get interest from a comic book company. You and I talked about that where, because it was a really interesting situation of how much of your IP do you give up for how much opportunity is that opportunity yep. the IP? And my, I like to, I'm just going to like, you know, walk everyone else through. I like to work in worst case scenarios because generally our imagination, we're all such creative people that we can take a small thing and turn it into a monster, you know? Yeah. And so when you actually think about the worst case scenarios, the worst case scenario is you lose the IP for comic books. You can probably keep the TTRPG and it's sad, um, but you know, you have more in the tank, you can find a way to pivot, you know, and the mm -hmm. worst case scenario of you saying no to this opportunity is that that not the notoriety gives you, the foot in the door gives you the potential to like, hey, now instead of, you know, let's say you want to do conventions, now instead of your TTRPG only being for these few conventions, you can go to these comic conventions yeah. and push the comic. And I imagine it and this is where like, you know, the contract that you have with Blood Moon would, you know, be something to understand. And I imagine it's like authors and book sales where like I can sell my own book, you know, even if it's owned by Penguin and I get more of the money because I'm selling it, you know, um, and you can sell right alongside the TTRPG. All right. As a package deal or uh, potentially if they'll let you a cover in one book and how much of that opportunity how much would you be able to create with your limited time, with your limited resources in how many years? All right. Now wow. here's the question, because I have a father-in-law who also, he's an engineer, so similar to you. Um, he's been writing like crazy since we got my wife writing. He's like, oh, wait, you can do that? Like you, you can, yeah. people will just, you can just do that. And it opened up a world for him. And now it's about planning what kind, what engine are we building for when he's retired? <laughs> You know, so one yep. question that just in case you're in a similar situation is, are you eyeballing, you know, whether it's 10 years or however many years away, uh, a retirement and then just like wanting to shoot off to the moon from there? Is that a factor for you? Yeah, I some, some of this I'd rather wasn't um, it wasn't broadcast. Right. But the the company I work for. We should be selling. I'm 53 now. We should be selling again in three years uh, or le three years or less. Uh, we're owned by a private equity firm. When we sell, I should get to retire, it, you know, with the same kind of lifestyle. Right. And so the goal would really be be a full time father, husband and writer. So, yes, spot on. Right. My goal yeah. is be done with this corporate like, you know, it'd be 30 years plus. Right. So it's almost yeah. like the prison sentence. I get out on the other side and I get to be the. the <laughs> the, the, the whatever you'd want to call it, I get to come out the other side and be a new person. So yes, retirement includes all of this, this kind of this creativity and this writing. All right. So this is a great, I, I like a timeline. Okay. Where it's just like in TTRPGs where it's like, you've got to sit, you've got to diffuse the bomb in this amount of time. You know, it helps focus you to have a timeline. All right. So your bomb where you're allowed to explode. Okay. You're going to have more time than you've had in 30 years which is terrifying at a certain level, all right? 
uh, because you're going to have all this opportunity. And if you don't know exactly what you're going to do with that time, I know this because I used to be a 19 year old. Yeah. And I had a lot of time before I had kids. All right. If you don't know what you're doing with your time, you're just going to waste it, you know? Um, and so I like the kind of earmark of like, let's say three to five years, you know, where do we want to be in that journey of building tapestry? Okay. So I imagine that in, in three to five years, you'll probably want a few projects under your belt. Uh, let's say, what, when are you mm -hmm. hoping to launch your first Kickstarter? You know, so that, that was one of the questions I had for you, right? I mean, I, I, I really don't know, right? And I'm, I, the game is almost ready, right? We're going through, we just started at last, the final playtest campaign to shave all the, like, the sharp edges of it, right? And so in theory, the game is ready. The game's ready now, right? I mean, other people are playing it, but I would like another probably three months to, you know, finish with editing and layout and stuff. So I'm really thinking kind of late summer, right? I mean, kind of like September, October is probably when the game will be ready after, again, all editing and everything else to go to market. And by that point, the comic should, should be published, right? So the um, number one is finished, number two is it's a three arc uh, storyline or the first, the first part is three issues. So the first one and a half are done. So the, um, the comic should, should be coming out summer time. And then I'm hoping kind of late summer when I'd launch the Kickstarter and again, do it on the back of the fact that there'd be a comic book and the comic book will be in comic stores and, you know, there'll be review copies sent out. So hopefully there'll be some uh, tangential buzz that would be created on the back of the comic book or, or not even tangential, but some kind of buzz, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So you're thinking late summer for the Kickstarter, yep. early summer is the thing the comic and yep. then yep. Um, how how fast do you think you could have uh, your next, whether that's a, a module or a volume and it's your next installment, all right? So let's say you launch your TTRPG um, let's say, you know, June, okay? Sure. Um, and this, this you it's all made up, okay? You launch it in June, you have to fulfill it. Let's say you hit a couple of stretch goals. You got to alter a couple of things. Um, and yep. even if you go all digital, June, July, let's say you're done by August. Okay. So in August, all right, you now have your comic is out. Your first CTRPG module is out. There will be stuff to do for just kind of keeping that train going. But now you can sure. start working on getting that next installment ready. How long do you think it would take to get that next installment, you know, to a similar point that this first installment is in? So probably three months, right? Maybe two to three months. So the okay. next installment is a campaign setting and the campaign setting ties into the first arc of the comic book, right? So the first arc of the comic book is also an adventure, right? So adventure is the wrong, like it's an adventure, it's a playable okay. encounter, whatever you'd want to call it, right? So the first three issues, are called Chase and the Adventure. Again, they're actually they, those issues were written on the back of a module that I kept on running to, to playtest it, right? And I kept on seeing all these really fascinating stories coming out of it. So I combined a bunch of them. So when the first comics released, the game ago with it, or the first three issues released, the game ago with it, the next release for the, the, the game itself is a campaign setting that's based on the comics. So you'd have the original comic that would be the adventure. The comic ends with some survivors basically finding a bunch of other survivors. Your characters would be one of the new survivors that are encountered. And that, you know, the, the second release would be this campaign setting, the, 
kind of uh, it lines out Delaware, right? That's where. And so there's a bunch of tales, there's a bunch of adventures that takes the characters through to to Georgia, uh, to I'm um, sorry, Virginia through the through the the Chesapeake Tunnel, bunch of stuff, right? And so that would be coming out. And then so one of the other things is the I, I have a bunch of stories that are all planned. All of those stories would create new content for the game, right? So the second arc is kind of a dark religious story, right? Where, uh, you know, a pastor appears to die and come back to life in front of his. It, this is all set against the backdrop of a thing called the dog flu, right? Canine distemper that mutates and becomes very lethal to humans, kills 90% of us. So this pastor gets it and appears to die in front of his congregation and comes back to life. And, and like everyone's convinced that he's the new Messiah. So he creates a, a church that is like a roving church that is essentially just like like parasites or locusts. Anyway, neither here nor there. So on the back of that, the next release after that would be a supplement that would talk about building your own church, right? And there'd be rules in it for building armies and building churches and kind of recruiting NPCs is in the basic games, but how you take that and create skirmish rules and so on. That would be, so first one is this campaign setting in Delaware. The second one would be on the back of the second comic arc series, and it would be basically, hey, this is how you build your own organization once you're recruited. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes total sense. So it seems like you could roughly um, launch a Kickstarter at the end of every quarter. I feel like that's probably your correct. You know, because the the way that that, and this is all rough math here we're working with, but it's just to get an idea. You know, you ready to go, uh, ready to start working on the next project in August. It's ready to launch around November. Now you can do a Christmas campaign, you know, um, and here's the excellent thing. And I'll get into this. We'll, we'll get into the exact Kickstarter nuts and bolts in just a second. The excellent thing about Kickstarter is the add-ons feature. Okay. Um, with each installment we've had into the Aragarth world, we have been able to sell our past material. And instead of someone coming in and buying just, uh, let, let's say, Guilds of Aragarth, they were able to be sold on that so well that they ended up spending, instead of just $10, $40 by buying the past four editions. Okay. Yep. And so there's this wonderful snowball effect as you just build out a product line and build out that tapestry. Um, at a certain point, it'll get so big that you'll need to start segmenting off, but you're not there yet. So you don't need to worry about that. All right. But uh, so when we look at the three years, by the time you're at the end of three years, uh, and this, this is a question, how long, how many installments is there in that first comics, comic story? You know, or is it just endless? So, it's endless, right? So, so, so there's there's an ongoing story following. I, I hesitate to even liken it to The Walking Dead because I don't want to create any kind of like. There's no zombies or anything, right? But it's similar to The Walking Dead, where it follows I a very loose vibe. collection so, of survivors. So yeah, yeah. You, you're you're translating that vibe very well because I got that vibe. My my immediately thought was like, oh, is this is this zombies? Is this Walking Dead? You know. Um, Okay, so this is me. Now I have to zone in. I, I love this idea time. Please. All right. So let's talk specifically. I do think that uh, Kickstarters are a great idea for you. All right. And the micro Kickstarter model, which a brief summary of that, okay, is, uh, and, and as far as I know, I'm the only one talking about this, but I'm not the only one doing this. The micro Kickstarter sure. model is to go, very attainable. Okay. I usually with uh, 
funding goal of less of $100 or less, okay? The reason to do that is because I can't tell you how many wonderful ideas I've seen get shot down because they wanted $10,000. They did not need yeah. $10,000. They wanted $10,000 for egotistical notoriety things that just naturally creeps up because the campaigns that they admire had $10,000 ideas. And for some of them, because they like, they want it to be replacing income. And in order to be a project worth all the time that they are spending on this, it needs to make this much money. Okay. Which is understandable, but in reality, most people don't need that. You know, yep. most people don't need, an, and if you were looking for immediate replacing income, Kickstarter is not a great place for it. Cause you're going to spend, um, tons of hours to get this campaign off the ground. And I just, uh, one I backed recently is $10,000. It was for a book and they raised almost $2,000 and it's considered a failure. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact you need about 500 for a book. Okay. If you're shipping physical product, if you're not shipping physical product, you need $1. If you've got, if you've written the book, yeah, you know, and so, yep that's the so that's the basis of the kickstarter model is number one giving yourself something that's achievable that you can build on to number two is that how do i this is and this is good that i'm talking about it because i have to give a webinar on this all right number two is that it's so easy to build on you're going to make so many mistakes uh and it's good to make those mistakes on a smaller scale so that when you're ready, when you have that free time of retirement, all right, you're not starting at zero, all right? If you launched, let's just say twice, let's take off the, the like heavy burden of every quarter, launching a comic and a, T, and a TTRPG. That's a lot, okay? Let's take that burden off. Let's say it's twice a year for the next three years. You're going to have six comics, six TTRPGs that are all building onto each other, that are all part of that beginning of the tapestry, okay? In each of those, let's say you only get 20 backers, okay? Just, just for the Kickstarters. So you're going to have two a year for three years, that's six times 20. Um, that's 120 people, okay, who have bought your stuff. And we're talking minimal numbers here, right? Minimal numbers, you're looking at 120 people who have bought your stuff that you can then come back and say, hey, Here's all the TTRPGs together as a book. Here's something, I'm working on something big, all right? Year four is gonna be the usual stuff, but that's also a year where I have the time to build something big. I'm gonna have someone play, I'm gonna have, have my friends play this. It's gonna be a podcast, or I'm gonna turn these panels and start reading over them, doing a voiceover so that you can see it as almost a video, you know? Um, or, you know, you're, you're just, you can build on whatever, you will have an audience ready to go that is proven they will give you money. And yep. the way that Kickstarter works is that that update feature, all right, every time you send an update on a Kickstarter, that's a pseudo email list, which by the way, you can, you can convert into a real email list by after two months and a month before you launch your next project, okay, ask them, hey, it's been a couple months. I'd love to hear 
what if you've had time to review the material, what you've thought of it, yep. and you can get user feedback. And at the bottom, and I've done this, it's totally opt-in. If you want to hear about the next launch coming in May or in December, yep. Okay. Uh, enter your email and we'll email you. Okay. Uh, this is something that we've done. We've grown our email list to over a hundred through the various projects we've done. All right. And wow. again, we're doing it while we're full-time, we're parents. Our one of our kids just started half day school. Okay. Our breaking, our breakout point is when both of our kids are full-time students and they're out yeah. of the house. And my wife, who's a work from home mom, has the ability to just go. Okay. She's our product person. All right. And so that's just kind of like why I think the, the micro Kickstarter model will work for you. All right. So let, let me ask you a couple of questions. Yeah, I, 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 questions. yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. Like I was very inspired. Like when I first sat in the first webinar, right. Cause I, I've been following you since you started this discord, like two months ago, or whatever it was, right. I sat on that Sunday morning webinar, right. And the micro Kickstarters, I remember writing notes to the, I, I have, I, I just, I'm, I'm an endless note taker, right? I'm, a, I'm in IT and I still just have notebooks everywhere, right? Because all I seem to do is write endless notes. But I remember when, when I was writing down, um, essentially this micro Kickstarter, I didn't really understand it, right? Like, m meaning the, you know, I don't really understand Kickstarter from the perspective of, like, let me come at that another way. So Kickstarter to me is a publicity tool, right? In terms of, um, I don't need any money for the creation of this, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I paid artists out of my own pocket. This is very much a passion project, right? So I've kind of gotten to the point where I wanted to be. And and so putting on Kickstarter, all I, my feeling of the Kickstarter is if somebody buys it and I priced it correctly, I could do it for a dollar, even for a physical product, as you said, yeah. right? Because if the book's already and the book's all laid out and all I need to do is print the book, I would only be printing as many as people bought, right? So if three people bought a copy of it, like fantastic, right? But if 17 people or 17,000 people. So to me, when you said about micro Kickstarters, I had a moment of like, oh, like I just, I thought about putting the core rule book up for a thousand bucks because, um, you know, my, my, the estimate I've done is like 25 bucks would be a great price point for the core rule book in terms of like, like covering costs and making profit, whatever to getting 40 people to spend 25 bucks and buy the core rule book. I mean, it didn't seem that unattainable. Do you know what I mean? I've probably got 40 friends that I can convince to do it, frankly, and I'd even be willing to offer the pay for them. But my point is, so to ask a question about the micro Kickstarter, you know, everyone wants to get one of those like projects we love and funded in eight hours and all those kind of things, right? Because it just adds legitimacy. If I ever see a project with that, there's a part of me, it's like, well, they did their job well and there's enough people that are interested in it, right? And so, with micro Kickstarters, does it affect anything, right? The way that you're viewed or, or does it actually add to the cachet? Because if you do five micro Kickstarters, you get to put five projects completed on your profile. What, what's your perspective on that? So my first thing is that I'll say from my personal experience is that as we've built up, we have been able to connect. We've created super fans. All right. So one of the things that yep. um, you'll you'll hear about if you read as many books as, I, as mar books on marketing as I do is the 100 true fans theory. Okay, which is that you only need 100 true fans to build something sustainable and that could even be your placing income. Okay, what right. doing regular micro Kickstarters do for you is that you're doing something that most creators are really bad at. Okay, 
most creators are really bad at being consistent at showing up regularly. How many flare-ups have you seen of TTRPGs or minor celebrities or Kickstarters that were really big and then they, they went somewhere and then they were silent until they delivered and then they were silent for another six months and then they had something and you'd forgotten a bit about them by that time. Yeah. They lost some of their audience. And in the meantime, in that year it took them to go through fulfillment and then re and then try and re-engage an audience they hadn't talked to for six months. Okay. In that meantime, we are building relationships. We recognize names. If you go on our Kickstarter profile, we're actually marked by Kickstarter as we have a good ability of return backers because we're building right. a relationship. It's not just building a brand. We have the, by going micro, it's grassroots marketing. All right. People will know your name and you will know their name. All right. And that's why people trust us enough to give us their email because we they know that we're not just CMON. We're not going to just barrage them with yeah. the 20 things we have coming out this year. No, we're going to send them all of a dozen emails in a year to let them know about the products that we've put out that, you know. So that's the first thing is that there's that. Secondly, and I can um, uh, see if I can even share my screen real quick. Uh, I don't know if I know how to real quick. So hang on. I'll just leave it. Just because you limit yourselves to uh, like $100, we've had a campaign go to 1,000. I know a guy who I'm pulling up his Kickstarter so that I can look at it right now. August McNeil, okay. He does um, miniatures designs for like 3D printing and stuff. Every single yep. one, he only has a $100 goal. All right. He also sells where like you can have commercial rights and you can sell these miniatures yourself with your own 3D printer. And those cost a good uh, amount of money. It's only uh, $50 the early bird. Um, let me see, $75 for the non-early bird. He raised in his last campaign $3,587. And he's able to do that because each time he does it, it builds on itself. Each time he does it, people see it, they get it, they like it, and they follow him and he, they sign up for his email list and they build and they build and they build. So I would say that it doesn't have this cap. What it is, is it's getting you that 100 true fans, just like you have 15 people who love what you're doing right now. That's your first brick of your castle, you know, is that those 15 people, they're going to be the first 15 people to back you on Kickstarter. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, just now with OGL 1.1 and 1.2 coming out, D&D 5e has been really unstable. We luckily had something uh, already building on the side to do with Cthulhu, not um, the Call of Cthulhu, because their open gaming license is also not very open. It's very hard to work with. Yep. All right. So it's just a Cthulhu Mythos RPG that is system agnostic. We don't know if it's going to work. We're testing the market with something completely new. Right now, we're sitting yep. about 50 backers. 20 of them are our usual backers who back us for the D&D 5e. 30 of them are completely new to us. They've never engaged with us before. But would those 30 show up if we didn't have 20 of our loyal backers backing us because they, they trust us and they know us and they have past campaigns? Would those 30 back us if we didn't have um, 
like seven or eight past campaigns that have all been successfully funded and fulfilled. You build a track record of respect and also people love an underdog. All right. I would say, I would argue that there is a disillusionment with things like CMON where like if CMON, uh, which is a big game board game company is, is on Kickstarter, it's basically just a pre-sale. You know, you're not really supporting a creator. There's no real story that I get to be a part of. If I'm backing August McNeil, I'm backing a small creator and I'm the hero in his story. I'm a part yeah. of his story, you know? So we're going to be testing this in April, all right? When we're going to have our first like big, it's a pivot. It's going to require a lot of new audiences. So we built our uh, D&D 5e material, Aragarth. Then we we had Kaylin write a collection of short stories. Each Aragarth came out in the last three, had a little short story at the end to immerse people in the world. And we're trans sure. shifting the audience's focus of Kaylin from a TTRPG designer to a writer. We released those short stories that we already released, plus a bunch of new ones for Chronicles of Aragarth, the short story collection. And we proved that we could sell that to our audience. By the way, no one is out there looking for TTRPG short stories. Nobody. But we were able to sell them. That's great. Okay. Even if we only yep. made it $590, it's great news. Okay. The big break that we're going to be testing out this micro Kickstarter model is when we release something that is not D&D related. It's got a Cthulhu Mythos kind of vibe. All right. Sure. Um, but it's called, it's the first installment in a White Crow series, which is about a uh, social uh, 1918, uh, the year 1918 America. There's a socialite woman who is bound by all of the restrictions of her class, but is also trying to explore her abilities as a psychic medium. All right. And then it starts getting a little Cthulhu where she gets entangled in, in some hardcore horror stuff. I would I say hardcore, medium core horror stuff. Okay. That is unlike anything we've ever done. And I am going to be, this is the one where I want this to be big. I don't want this to just be $100. I'm actually going to be sad if I only get $100 out of this, because this is something that we really want to go somewhere. All right. Yeah. But um, I'm building it on the back of, we have a great track record even on this micro scale, we have people that have proven that they were never in the market for a book of my, of Kickstarter, of a TTRPG short stories. Okay. But they know us. We've been here regularly uh, two to four times a year. And now we get to, if nothing else, they're going to be advocates for us, you know? And that's, that's going to be where, like we really, really see how how much the micro Kickstarter, how far it can go. And I have seen, by the way, like it's a product testing ground. Okay, so our first one, like we we were like, man, we'll be happy if we get fifty dollars, and it got five hundred. Okay, we're like, yeah. great, we're brilliant, we're so good at this. Um, we launch a pirate themed one, and that did so underwhelming, so not as good. Okay. And what we figured out is, is that the micro Kickstarter is great for testing markets. So when you're in the T our TTRPG space, there's a lot of themes. Okay. And it's a mix of what are you, what's it good for? And what's the setting, you know? Um, 
I forget where I was going with that thought train. <laughs> so I'll let you, you, you were talking me through. Go. No, that was super useful. I made a ton of notes, right? It was about you were talking me through the kind of the micro Kickstarter and almost like the ethos behind it, right? And they're starting small and the Cthulhu thing that you like you got 50 customers. I mean, it was to me, it was a really compelling talk track that you just walked through, right? Because because here's, here's, here's the question I have based on everything you said, right? Because I'm, I'm again, I, I'm a lot of what you said is just uh, there's almost confirmation bias for me, right? This idea that, hey, I, I have been on the right track because I want a complete product, right? I'm not looking for somebody to fund this. And so I like the idea of being able to do a micro Kickstarter because I am just trying to get attention for it right or start to build that hundred true and again i made a ton of notes while you were talking the hundred true fans right i'm trying to build more of those so coming back to um so again like i could release the core rule book with a with a price point of 10 bucks right or 100 bucks because i just want enough people to sign up for it right so the question becomes how do you find more of an audience right where do you go and again like by the way <clears throat> i sat through your webinar and i took a ton of notes right so i've done a bunch of the things that you suggested in that first webinar like look at search terms and so on right okay. but to me there's still a disparity i can find search terms for you know tabletop role-playing game or, or post-apocalyptic tabletop right i can find those but i'm still struggling com to convert people's attention right and you know getting people to sign up to a facebook group or you know reddit's probably been my best source of going and saying hey anyone want to play test a new game here's the rule book whatever People come on board and at that point they don't want to leave or they haven't left because they like they like the content, they like the rest of the community. How, how have you done that, right? Where you've just built, like you said, you had, I think, 30 solid backers or maybe it's the other way, 30 solid and 20 new ones for the Cthulhu thing. And it's, maybe it's the other way around. This how one did you get those initial backers? So, so here's the funny story. This is the, the original start of my Kickstarter journey was my original micro Kickstarter where I sold poems for $1 a piece, okay? Um, and then I built on that by just doing new ways of writing poetry, which by the way, is almost impossible to sell um, until I had eventually two books of poems, all right? So the first thing is like, here's the good thing about Kickstarter is that there are people actively looking, okay? There are people actively shopping and they're actively looking yeah. for someone to support. So one of the things is, just being there okay and uh when i first did my my first ttrpg i did it as a twitter uh collaboration with two people they they were like hey we're looking at doing a ttrpg i'm like you do maps you do art i'll do story okay we'll sell it for five bucks it was called blood and anvil the art was okay the maps were meh and i'm not a i'm not a like i was a poet so i wrote a lot of prose okay not a lot of story that's the moment where we made over um, $100 and my wife said, hold my beer, okay? Because she, her mind opened up. She's like, wait, 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 wait. So people will just buy things to try it, you, sure. know? you know? And that, that opened up a whole new world for her. So the first thing is just being present, okay? Which you're, you're doing a really good job. The fact that you can take complete strangers on, by the way, Reddit. I stepped on Reddit a little bit to promote the webinar. That is the most cynical, critical group on the internet. And the fact that you can get I would agree. of them on your side. Because I came in and like, usually if I go to Facebook or I go to Twitter and I say, hey, I'm a professional marketer. Here are my credentials. Come listen to me. They're like, that's interesting. And one out of a hundred of them will listen to me. Okay. On Reddit, they came back with, okay, but why? 
Like, like you're, you're, why are you so uncompelling if you're good at this? Yeah. You, you know, like what, what you haven't even sold me. You just told me who you were and what you do. All right. But what are you actually going to give me? Give me these specifics. I want you to tell me how to X, Y, and Z, you know? And I'm like, it, it was good exercise. I was able to refine my pitch so much better because of the criticism I get, I got on, yeah. on Reddit, which I'm sure comes from like, if you're just a huckster, if you're just, hey, sign up for my crypto, Reddit's going to eat you alive. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. The Reddit community bites back hard and fast. And so the fact that you're able to get people interested on there props to you. All right. Thank um, you. So the first thing that I'll say, okay, so your the, your question, I'm, I'm narrowing it back down. So the first thing was just be present, be there. That's enough to get you started. That'll You are probably good enough that if you just, uh, which by the way, let's talk about pricing. You talked about the core rule book. Were you thinking $10 for the digital is what you were yeah. pricing? You might yeah. want, depending on how many pages you have, you might want to up that. All right. Okay. Um, I know that you're afraid of pricing people out. But the reverse is also true. Okay, so for example, yeah. um, this is this is the, the the rethinking I had to do with like my father-in-law. He backs Kickstarters and he's like, "Oh man, I mean, like you should just make it fi everything five dollars because I'll back anything for five dollars." And we have told him like, "No, we ran a one dollar Kickstarter with, and we do every, this every year. We do a one dollar Kickstarter that is a great amount of material. It's worth at least ten dollars. All right." And we're giving it away for $1. It's a way of acquiring new people, getting them into our material. Um, and it's also a nice little holiday. Like, we love the community. Here you go, $1. Yeah. And it has happened more than once that we got more backers, not more money, more backers on our $10 material that we sell regularly. Okay. Because it's the, the analogy I like to use, I don't know if you guys have these where you are. It's probably all these. But not everyone in America does their grocery shopping at the dollar store. Mm -hmm. Like there's a reason that you don't buy milk from the dollar store. You don't trust yep. that milk, you know? Um, and that's the kind of rethinking of like, if your stuff is good, price it good. You know, you don't have to be Apple where you say arbitrarily our stuff is now $200 more expensive, even though you're, we did not put $200 more value into it. Okay. Sure. But look and compare to what other Kickstarters you've seen do. You'll find, I think that many of them, if you're doing a core rule book and it's got art and it's, you know, a certain amount of pages and it's got the rules and it's got everything that $10 is I'm guessing on the low end for even the digital. Yeah. You know, um, the other great thing about that being is that like, if you, if you price it, like, let's say $20 and your funding goal is a hundred dollars, you only need five backers. Yeah. You know, yeah. you early bird at $10, which by the way, and this, I'll talk about this in the micro Kickstarter webinar, uh, a trick, do the timed early birds. Too yeah. many people do a quantity early bird. So let's say the first 10 people get it for $10. That's $100. You've reached your funding goal. Boom. Okay. Actually, a lot of people get upset when they're the 11th person and they now have to pay $20. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even though they were there day one. All right. I'm here day one. You have 15 people ready to back you. Day one, number 11 through 15 are mad. 
Okay. Yeah. Because even though they were for you day one, they have to pay twice as much. Do a timed early bird of 24 or 48 hours. They allow that on, on Kickstarter. That has been yep. huge. Okay. We do it at $8, I think, um, for our early birds. And that is a, that gives for your regular people. It's This is why you sign yep. up for the email list. You get it cheaper. You get a, you get the same material for a better deal. This is why you connect with us. We send out those updates. Hey, thanks for supporting us. Hit that early bird. Get it to it now, and you get funded earlier. The second part being that new people who come across you are like, whoa, look at this. I get a great deal. Mm -hmm. Half off. Hell yeah. Okay. So that that's, that's that part. I just wanted to like touch on pricing for a minute. And also... There's a bunch of very usable things. For I, <laughs> um, the other this is incredibly useful, right? I mean, yeah. I, I sorry, go on. No, 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 please carry on. Okay. So, and by the way, interrupting me, I'll never be offended by. I'm a Texan. Uh, interrupting is part of conversation where I come from. And so, if I interrupt you, I'm yep. just talking. <laughs> if you can interrupt me, I'm totally offended. Um. So. To answer your other question, so we've gone over like one, you need you need to really look at your pricing. Two, be there. There is an audience there. You've already got an audience. You have enough to launch with already. All right. Three is it's a grind. And this is the hard answer of like, I can give you some tips. So for example, uh, one of the ways I've grown my Facebook page is that I started by having a Facebook group, which is really easy to grow. That got to like 7,500 members. All right. And then I created the Apple iGames page and I just did memes and I screenshotted my tweets. That's a hack. If you screenshot your tweets, they go yeah. further on Facebook. Same thing. If you screenshot your Reddit stuff and you post that to Tumblr, it'll go further than if you just did an organic Tumblr post. Uh, there is Agreed. a there is a psychological understanding that if something's cross-platform, it must be more important. Okay, or that it's coming from an important source. They, people don't look far enough to see that Zach Applewhite is posting Zach Applewhite's tweets. Okay, they just see, oh, this Zach Applewhite guy, and eventually they's like, I've seen this guy a few times. He must know what he's talking. Yep, about. yep. They don't under, they don't know that I don't have the the ten thousand followers they think I have. Okay, so the hack is you can create a group. Okay, you could create it around. Uh, I would I usually go broad for the group. All right, so you could just say indie TTRPG group, okay? And uh, try yep. and make it as little promo as possible, okay? You want this to be something that people can engage with. You want it to be art. You want it to be memes, tweets, um, bash on Wizards of the Coast as much as you want, okay? That's gonna be your main funnel. Your page, when you post your page and you post your tweets, yep. your Reddit posts, whatever, you're going to share into that group. And when you share into another group and you can share into other groups like that one that you've already created, but this one, you'll know that your post will get there, that no admin's got to take you down or anything like that. All right. You can then every yep. time someone likes that post, you click on, and I've done this where I have a meme on my page. I share it into my group and other groups on my page. I got like, let's say 20 likes. But in certain groups, okay, like D&D &D meme Reddit, okay, I'm talking about Facebook here. This is a specific Facebook hack. Okay, I post into a D&D &D meme group. Sure. I'll get 300 likes. I click on the 300 likes and there's an invite button 
next to each one of those names. It goes to yeah. their notifications. And now I've grown my Facebook page. My wife is now actually, her author page is outpacing me. Okay. Because the authors are, are going into it. That's how you, by just having a regular stream of content and then using little hacks like that, you can go a long way. Now, another, I just wrote the defensive email list. Do keep in mind, you're beholden to algorithms here. All right. Yeah. Something that makes me mad to no end is that I built a, uh, a group of 7,000 people who say that they want to hear what I have to say. And if I post something, initially, maybe 100 people will see it. And if they don't yep. get enough engagement on that first 100, it's buried. It's gone. All right. And that is something to keep in mind of like, it's just always going to be a hustle. It's always going to be a struggle. That's why when you've finally landed those people who will give you money, you need to convert them to an email list so that you can have a more direct channel to them. You know, so as, and I am, I am a content marketing person. So I'm actually search engine optimization, but search engine optimization is now becoming so much about content. And I was always content distribution. There's a lot yep. you can do. There's a lot I can talk about that's simply about chop up your content to make it go further. The biggest thing about that is that I know that you're limited on time. And so the thing I would focus on for you is you will say you're already on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and Reddit um, is how, um, how often are you posting on those? How often are you already just a part of those four that you have going right now? You know, <clears throat> somewhere between daily and weekly, right? So I have a, a Facebook page, a Facebook group, uh, Tumblr, Twitter, Reddit, and Instagram, right? So I post to Twitter pretty much every day, right? And that's not always public, but it's just like the, often interacting with people or whatever. It's just like communication. And then uh, Facebook, I've started in the last week, I've started posting to the Facebook group. And I've noticed what you're talking about. I post the Facebook group, and then I cross post that to the page where the page has like a thousand followers, right? The group has like nine, right? And so I've got those nine by cross posting and then doing what you're saying, hit the invite as I go down. And then with Tumblr and Instagram, you can just cross post, right? So whatever I post into the Facebook group, I then post to either Twitter, to Instagram or Tumblr, because again, it will cross post for me, right? And so, but this has been really the last two weeks or so, right? And it's because I'm starting to, watch how other people are doing things, right? And starting to mimic that behavior. So I've noticed some people on Facebook, sorry, on Instagram, some pages I'm following, they just post like a page, like a panel, sorry, right? It's not a page, it doesn't even tell the story. It's just, and it's often these pages are posting or these, these people are posting kind of more interesting panels that will make you stop and look, right? Like the kind of like, what, the, the, the almost like what is going on in the rest of this page that you've got this weird one panel, right? And I'm trying to, mimic that as well, not just post everything, but just post something a little bit more thought provoking where someone might look at that and say, I'm much more inclined to go and look up and see what the rest of this is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and I have to write, my wife's, you know, giving me the like, hey, wrap it up. Um, so I'll wrap up. Yeah, I'm getting texted by my wife as well. Of the content um, marketing stuff is that like, you're already doing a really good job. Most of it, you can just keep going. Remember that you have three years to really, really build this. You have enough to get started. Yeah. Okay. Number two is try and not chase too many trends. Focus on the platforms you have. And if yeah. you feel like you have enough capacity to add one more platform, consider adding one more platform. 
All right. But Eli, can you get out of here, buddy? I'll be out in 10 minutes, okay? Sorry. Um, the other, the things I'll leave you with is that um, as you start, like, I just want to plant this seed as the like for the three years from now, I want you to think of ways that you can have yep. partnerships ready to go. Because I think that partnerships, when you, when you talk about building the tapestry, partnerships with people who are, you know, artists who are, um, you know, affiliate marketing will be something you'll want to look into. Um, yeah, that's, that's more down the line. But I hope and, and also I'll say I'm planning for March to be the micro Kickstarter uh, webinar. So you will have uh, plenty of time to implement the exact tactics like the add-on feature, like um, the yep. pricing stuff. There will be a lot of time for you to implement those tactics. And I, you know, I'm sure you'll go, if you went through the, uh, the first webinar, this was actually going to be way more valuable. All right. Um, Beautiful. That's, that's really all, all I have for you in, in one hour. I think this, this is the biggest problem with these one-on-ones is that we're all, we could all talk for four hours easily if, you know, um, we're also passionate about what we do, right? And there are very few people that don't get into this hobby that are not articulate, right? And people that get into this because they want to tell stories, right? And so we're all the same way. We're all talking over each other. But Zach, I mean, you've been very generous with your time. I'm also going to text it from my family that I've got commitments. I've got to take my daughter to horse riding in 20 minutes. So I have to get out and get that done. Uh, please thank Mrs. Applewhite for giving me this extra 10 minutes. And I, Zach, I can't tell you how useful this was. And I look forward to future interactions. And I'll certainly be on all your future webinars going forward. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I will also be sure you promote the Kickstarter in the group because I will definitely be one of those first early bird backers. Thank you. For you as well. Oh, you're the best. You're the <laughs> best. Thank you, brother. I really I appreciate that. Good deal. <laughs> um, and also, of course, hit me up in the direct messages or bring it forward to the group. Um, any other yep. like things you want to talk about, like the pricing thing, it'd be a good thing for, to just ask the group like, hey, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about this price point. What have you seen similarly? You know, you can just crowdsource the group for that. Yeah. That's like the perfect thing because they're all in the same boat as you. Um, thank yeah. you for your time. I love these. This is always so interesting. And I really look forward to seeing how, how your particular story develops uh, as a creator. Thank you so much. Um, that's all. Yeah, I appreciate good. it. Yeah. You too, brother. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you again for the time. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. Me. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.